This is Choni Circle. I'm Tamara Lubicki. I'm Rabbi Paula Rose. And on Choni Circle, we are going to explore Jewish texts from the Torah through the Talmud and lots of traditional commentaries to grapple with climate change, to help us process our emotions about climate change and about this particular moment, um, and to help us try to make sense of the world that we find ourselves in. Today we're going to look at Psalm 148, which is actually one of the psalms that is part of Psuche de Zimra, the preparatory section of daily prayer. So it's traditionally recited every morning, weekdays and Shabbat, and is actually part of a tradition that we're supposed to finish reciting the book of Psalms every morning. Mm. But that would take a really long time because there are 150 Psalms. And the way that we do that is actually by reciting the last five. Hmm. So we, we didn't get all of the ones before that, but it's a way of sort of symbolically finishing the whole book before we actually start the official part of the Shacharit service. Since this is Psalm 148, it's part of that section that we recite each morning. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise God on high. Praise God, all God's angels. Praise God, all God's hosts. Praise God, sun and moon. Praise God, all bright stars. Praise God, highest heavens, and you waters that are above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for it was God who commanded that they be created. God made them endure forever, establishing an order that shall never change. Praise the Lord, O you who are on earth, all sea monsters and ocean depths, fire and hail, snow and smoke, storm wind that executes God's command, all mountains and hills, all fruit trees and cedars, all wild and tamed beasts, creeping things and winged birds, all kings and peoples of the earth, all princes of the earth and its judges, youth and maidens alike, old and young together. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for God's name, God's alone, is sublime. God's splendor covers heaven and earth. Yeah, so this psalm has some similar themes to the psalm we did in the last episode, which was the Psalm 4, Rosh Chodesh, Psalm 104. So again, what I see in this psalm is it's kind of like laying out the order of all creation. And it seems to, at least from what I imagine the cosmology of the time was, like start at the highest place and then go down to the lowest place. And guess what? Humans are all the way at the bottom. (laughs) And not only that, but humans, again, only get these two verses Mm -hmm. out of basically 11 verses describing all of creation, humans are relegated to just two verses. So it's, again, conceptualizing of the created world, and we, like, acknowledge all these other realms, all these species. The sun and the moon are in there. Angels are in there. Yeah, I think 
So I think it's interesting, right? In some ways, this mirrors creation, starting with other elements of the natural world and ending with human beings, which you can either read as human beings being something of an afterthought, right? We're like not the most important, right? The world can exist without us. So we'll start with some other things. Or quite frankly, right, sometimes that's read as like humans being the pinnacle of creation, right? And all of this was about preparing for humanity. So I'm not totally sure how much to read into the order. Though it's interesting, right? It it doesn't perfectly align with creation because we have the sun and moon and stars, but then waters seem to come after that, which would have been earlier in the creation story in Brasheet. So not a perfect analogy, but definitely striking that humans come last in both. And I'm not totally sure what to make of that. But I do think it's really interesting that we're all engaged in the same act. The primary verb, maybe even almost the only verb in this entire psalm, is praise. And that's what all of the human beings are doing, old and young, kings and ordinary people. But it's also what the ocean depths are doing and what the highest heavens are doing. I don't think we often think of ourselves as doing the same things as the stars. Mm. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know, do we have that much in common? And I think there's something kind of striking about the way that we're actually all like working together, engaged in the same activity. Right, which is, the word is hallelujah. Mm-hmm. So what is encompassed in that word? How do the rabbis, how do they define that word? Is there a tradition around the meaning of the word? It is generally taken to mean praise, right? I think Mm. that's a pretty close translation. And it's a word that comes up in our liturgy a lot. It's one of the primary things that we're doing when we pray. In particular, what comes to mind is Hallel, which are extra psalms and verses of praise that we recite on particularly joyful days, on many holidays and the like. But as you can see here, it's also a pretty big part of just the ordinary daily liturgy. So is there an element of praise with joy or praise with celebration? It is definitely tinged with awe, but generally I would say more awe coupled with joy as opposed to, right, sometimes we think of like the emotion that goes with awe as being like a kind of fear. Right. Um, And certainly there's a place for that also in Jewish tradition and Jewish liturgy. But Hallel, Hallelujah, that definitely is a more joyful kind of praise and awe. Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting to me to like take these words that are so normal in Judaism as to like not necessarily have their full meaning in them anymore just because we hear them over and Mm -hmm. over again and just try to investigate what's in there, what's in the word of hallelujah. Yeah, it's a really good point. Also, like, some of these are words that we don't necessarily use that much in English. Like, I don't know, I don't talk about praise a lot. Right. Well, Um, maybe we should. Maybe, yeah. (laughs) Look, this psalm certainly thinks so. Right. Yeah, I mean, what would it look like if... Like this, we're saying this daily, right? Mm-hmm. So what would it look like if daily we were able to relate to nature in this way? We were able to imagine the natural world joyfully praising God along with us, this like harmony of nature that includes 
us and the kings and the judges and the mountains and the fire, like everything in the natural world in this harmony of joyful praise. Yeah, I mean, it's a powerful image, right? I don't think we always or often ever think that way. And I'm going to say especially first thing in the morning, right? Like (laughs) there's something I think, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a morning person, so it might be particularly (laughs) difficult for me. But I think that there's something particularly striking about like trying to to channel all of this and like Mm. really feel that sense of appreciation and awe and wonder at the way that creation works together is all a testament to the greatness of the creator to tap into that like first thing in the morning you know maybe even before we're really fully awake and caffeinated um (laughs) is there's something powerful about that i'll share one story briefly there are I don't know the number, but there are not a tremendous number of references to snow in the Tanakh or in the Book of Psalms. If you think about the part of the world that this is coming out of, there is some snow in the mountains, but there are other weather features that are more common than snow, and that is, in fact, captured in the texts themselves. And same thing with the liturgy, not a lot of references to snow in the Sidur. But when I was in rabbinical school, when I went to rabbinical school in New York City, where there is significantly more snow than there is in the land of Israel, if we had like a particularly snowy day, and often on those days, right, there might be fewer people at Minyan in the morning, right, it's like harder to get there. And, you know, the city's just a little bit, a little bit sleepier when there's that fresh coat of snow. Often whoever was leading would like make a point of singing this psalm Mm. so that we could sort of like hold that reference to snow that like actually the magic of a snowy day, which I I don't know, like we don't necessarily, or I don't always necessarily think of that as being rooted in our tradition, but in some ways it's attested to right here and just holding that that there's something sacred about that too. And that actually the snow is also engaged in this same task that we are of offering praise. Right. Which could also be helpful if the snow is very annoying to you. Like it's it's a beautiful thing and you can extra appreciate that but it's also a difficult thing especially in seattle (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's true at least in new york city yeah there are more snow plows right no but that's true right looking at the other pieces of weather in the natural world fire and hail and smoke and storm wind right all of those are things that can be awe-inspiring but are also often at best inconvenient and at worst potentially really destructive and scary and so maybe a powerful reminder that even when we find those things frustrating um, and want them out of our lives, we're actually on the same team. Yeah. With Seattle now, smoke is like a yearly reality of the summertime. That's like part of our summer. And it's also here. Yeah. So it's interesting when you talked about that story with snow, the person leading services brought it out just because it was this new thing that was really catching your attention. And I think that's part of what's difficult about every morning feeling this praise. Yeah. Is like you have to almost find the newness in it. Mm-hmm. And how do we do that? So next time we have some smoke in Seattle, we'll have an opportunity We will. And I think a particularly challenging one. Like, I think the smoke in particular, especially because we know 
that it didn't used to be like this. Right. And we know that just, like, quite frankly, that it's bad, right? That, like, human behavior has caused this to be worse. Right. I think it's really hard to feel like that smoke is engaged in the same praise that we are. That feels like a big challenge to me, so... The smoke is a sign of the fire, and we can imagine the destruction that goes with it. But on the other hand, destruction wasn't a foreign concept to the people of the psalm, right? No, certainly not. (laughs) And they still had to find a way of engaging in this broader sense of awe. Yeah. Despite witnessing destruction. I'm Rabbi Paula Rose, the Associate Rabbi of Congregation Beth Shalom in Seattle. This podcast is a project of Congregation Beth Shalom and Ahavat Ve'avodat Adama, our community's environmental group. Choni's Circle was recorded in Seattle, Washington at Full Track Productions. It was produced by Tamara Labicki and Dave Dintenfass. With original music by Ella Labicki Feldman. Thanks for listening and learning with us.